Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to have you all on this podcast on this Friday, December 18 of 2020. And we'd like to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you are tuning in from. Thank you for taking out of your time to spend some time with us in the Word as we fellowship in the Word of God, as we glean from the Word of God, always uh, desiring to come to you from a prophetic perspective of what God is saying in this hour. And today is a very special day. We're joined today by uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. And we also, uh, today, we are joined by a special guest, special to our hearts. He's uh, Brother Steve uh, from the Bay Area. He's actually uh, Brother Fernando's brother, and he is my nephew. <laughs> and so we're so glad to to have Steve with us today. And um, uh, we'd like you to greet Greet the people, Steve. Say hello. Uh, tell us who you are, and and uh, we'd love to hear from you, brother. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for uh, letting me be part of the the podcast. And uh, you know, it's always awesome to talk to my brother, uh, my uncle, uh, even you, brother Marty. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> the invite, and uh, um, it's uh, it's an honor to be with you guys. And uh, um, I was uh, sharing with you guys er uh, earlier when we got on that, you know, it's been, uh, I've heard a few of the podcasts, uh, more recent ones, and, and um, it's uh, it's very refreshing and, and uh, very, uh, uh, very awesome uh, to hear the things that are, that are, uh, um, that God has been showing, um, you know, his servants. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that God doesn't do anything unless he shows it to his servants first. And that's always, always been, uh, you know, whole, whole truth through Genesis to revelation to 2020, you know? And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be part of it. And, uh, um, you know, just, just, uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so thank you Praise for having God. me. Amen. Amen. You know, we've seen yeah. the touch of God in your life since a young man, Steve, and, and I know that you love God and I know, one of the areas that you love is prophecy. So <laughs> this is down our, uh, your lane, and uh, this is very awesome what God is doing in this hour. You know, I'm excited. Uh, on, on Wednesday, we began a new series on the ordinances of heaven, and foundation has been laid Wednesday and Thursday. Obviously impossible to talk in length. We could spend hours, but I, I believe... Uh, a solid foundation was given. And I'm excited today of what, uh, Brother Marty, you're going to be bringing to our attention. And so I'm going to leave it to you to give time to the study of the Word as we come together and study the Word of God. Brother Marty. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again today. And we welcome you once again to the underground church. That's what's happening in 2020. We're... We begin. <laughs> we're, we're 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 the uh, we're the rebels with the cause, amen. So we're looking, so we're looking forward to today's study as we enter into our our third part of the series, uh, the ordinances of heaven. Uh, we're, we're specifically now coming to the point where we're going to begin to explore what the uh, what we've been talking about all week, which is the great conjunction of 2020 a major celestial event is going to take place on Monday, December the 21st, on the winter solstice. Uh, 
We'll get into that at the end of this broadcast, but uh, we're going to explore those signs in the heavens like Jesus told us to. And so we're going to begin right away. We have a lot to cover today, so we'll get right into the scripture. Our foundational scripture today will be found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2. And we're going to have Brother Jeremy, if he would, read to us uh, verse 1, 2, and verse 7. And settle in. And we pray the Lord blesses you in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you would you begin for us? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 7. Amen. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Praise the Lord. We have seen his star in the east. Uh, Here we have in Matthew's gospel, uh, they're called the wise men, but we've come to know them uh, by their proper name, which is the Magi, the Magi. We're going to be focusing on them today and what it is they actually saw and why it it is connected to what we're going to see on Monday, uh, which is the great conjunction of 2020. Now, remember, the Magi were extremely serious people. They were a generation, really, of uh, mathematicians, uh, the astrophysicists of their day and of their time. And and we need to understand, these were not wimpy guys. These, these, these were men that were not to be trifled with. They were, they were soldier priests. They were kingmakers. Understand, you know, they survived centuries as a group. And trust me, in ancient times, survival was, was an art. It was a skill all its own. And, you know, these these men, they walked uh, within the courts of great kings and and empires. Uh, The skill and the understanding of the heavens that they had proved to be indispensable assets in the councils of empires, really. They guided kings. Uh, Much much of their advice had to do with, uh, you know, political policies and... uh, uh, you know, going to war, such of such matters as that. <clears throat> they were really, like we said, the kingmakers. You know, they validated rule uh, by what they perceived in the constellations in the heavens. Understand, in our time, you know, we're we're really a society in mass, which is void of much uh, that we once knew as humanity. When you read uh, of the ancients. You know, they they possessed a technology and an understanding of the sciences uh, and and technology in many cases, uh, which really are lost to us now in our times. I'll give you an example. You know, the pyramids of Giza, for example, um, are a case in point. You know, to this day, we don't we don't even know how it was done, how it was built. Even the best mathematicians and architectural engineers of our day claim they have no idea how they actually constructed these great monuments of old 
And in the case of the pyramids of Giza, for example, there's a a, a great book I recommend. It's it's uh, it's uh, it, it's written by a man by the name of Robert Bouval. Uh, he's an astroarchaeologist. He discovered something many years ago, and and that was that the pyramids of Giza they they perfectly align with the three stars in in the belt of of the constellation of Orion. We were exploring Orion yesterday, if you remember, and over the last couple of days in Job chapter 38. And what he found was that the the uh, pyramids of Giza uh, were mirroring uh, on the ground with great precision and such a high level of accuracy uh, what they saw in the heavens. Uh, as to this day, it, it confounds the smartest among us in the 21st century with all our technology, with all our computing power, with all our building techniques, you know, the pyramids, the the, the Tower of Babel, the, the major megalithic structures found all over the world. They all testify to us in, in this modern time of a wisdom that the ancients once had, a wisdom that was once understood. And you know, what God told Job, if you remember, he said, do you know the ordinances of heaven, the engraved story written in the fabric of the visible arc of the sky, the universe above, the gospel, if you will, of the stars? So let's briefly look today uh, with that in mind at what the Lord again told Job. Uh, we'll just briefly look at this particular portion as we continue in our study. In Job chapter 38, verse 32. Brother Jeremy, could you read that scripture to us, please? Canst thou bring forth Mazarot in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Praise God. So there's an interesting word there that God mentions. He calls it the Mazarot. Those of you who've been following us the last few podcasts, you know that what he's referring to there, that's the Hebrew word for the ancient wisdom of the constellations that that, that we move through in a procession that takes approximately 25,900 years to complete, to move through each and every house and uh, of, of the constellations in heaven. They represent the 12 um, the zodiac is what we call it today. They're the 12 constellations in the heavens. And understand this, that each constellation has what is known as a decan. They're known as side reels. They're miniature constellations within the larger constellations. And we ain't got time to get into all that. But, however, each one of the pictures, if you will, in the sky that God put there as we were studying, he, he, he revealed to Job that he had engraved them. Brother Fernando mentioned yesterday as he was, uh, I think it was Job 37, 17. Is that where you got that from, Brother Fernando? When you yeah, describe, Job 37. Yeah, describe again briefly what, what was being said there um, to us. Well, uh, he, he likened the sky as this thin layer of molten glass, or um, it, it's, it's it's literally... Uh, something molten that you can engrave something into it's yeah. a metal it's a metal so the, when you look at the sky when you look at uh, uh the, the 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 cosmic lights the planets the stars you are literally seeing in the alignment of of the stars and planets the gospel 
but he described it as it being engraved into the sky or the heavens, the gospel yeah. that is, to where, uh, and he likened it to a scribe writing something, right? Uh, yeah. And so, so it takes that kind of skill to understand um, what the, the, the heavens are saying concerning the gospel. Yes, and what's interesting there, is, and that's an excellent way, and the reason I had you share that is because that's exactly what he's asking Job in verse 33 when he says, do you know the ordinances of heaven and can you set the dominion of them in the earth? And he's connecting it to the constellations. He references four of them there, the Pleiades, Orion, Arcturus, and his sons. Uh, and then he mentions all 12 constellations when he speaks of Mazarot. And when he asks Job, do you understand what it is that you're seeing in the heavens, the ordinances? And that's, that's what Brother Fernando is referring to. The word ordinances means that God was actually telling Job, I have actually engraved the heavens themselves with a prophetic time clock. And the mm -hmm. gospel, in, in essence, is written in the stars. It's a clock that is run by the master watchmaker, if you will the Lord himself. And that's what he's telling Job. And he says, and, and he further goes on to say to him, can you take what is revealed in the heaven and set the dominion of it in the earth? By saying mm. that he was, he was implying that, that the earth itself was surrounded by the declared glory of God and his intent for the planet and for creation as a whole. And so by saying that, he's implying a hostility, which is what Job was experiencing because he was up under the persecution of Satan himself having had the hedge of protection removed from his life. And we talked about that as being a type of the end-time church where it's foretold that we too, for a season, will have a hedge removed. And I want to point out something to those of you that are listening as well. Remember that Job wasn't wasn't Jewish. <laughs> he was a he was a Gentile, and and he was of the land of Uz or of Uz, and and uh, there were no Jews, so to speak, until the time of Abraham. And what made them Jewish was the covenant that they cut with God, which was the sign of circumcision. That's what separated them from the Gentile nations. So up until that point, when we're when we're reading about these constellations, that's how ancient it is. Even the even the ancient rabbis tell us that that Job is the oldest book in the Scripture, that it predates even the Torah uh, that Moses wrote. That is in its construction and in the in the writing of its narrative. But to get back to the point, God is saying to Job, "Do you understand what has been engraved in the heavens? I'm taking your sight up there so that so that you can understand something. <clears throat> there is a great." Uh, drama that's being unfolded and I created this well in advance of, of setting man upon the earth it is as it were a prophetic time clock precisely because of the way it, uh, we move through the heavens and that's what he goes on to say when he references the Mazarot he's referencing the, the 12 signs of the zodiac it's been called that now but originally uh, it, each house in the sky because that's what they're known as, houses. Each individual house, 12 of them, making up the entirety of the Mazarot or the constellation. They were assigned to the 12 tribes of Israel. And this will play out here in a second when we go deeper into our study. 
But when you read in the book of Exodus, for example, and Moses constructs a tabernacle in the, in the wilderness, when he laid out the 12 tribes uh, around the tabernacle, he did it in, in four sections of three tribes. Each tribe, uh, if you were to look at it from the heavens, forming a cross, really, an overview of it. But each tribe was laid out in accordance with how the constellations in heaven appear, each tribe having a constellation assigned to it. And so with that in mind, he's asking Job, can you take what's written up there first by discerning it? Can you take what's written up there and can you set the dominion of what's being declared upon the earth, which really is under a current state of rebellion? That's why he... He referenced uh, when he asked Satan that question in Job chapter one, as we've been discussing, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the first two podcasts of this series. When he asked Satan the question, where have you been coming from? Where have you been? As we pointed out there, God wasn't asking the question because he needed some information. He was asking the question basically to set the prophetic tone and the understanding in our own mind uh, of, of where he's at. And and his response to God was, I've been going up and down to and fro, north, south, east, and west, in other words, throughout the whole planet. So by the time we get to this particular scripture, that is that is a given. He he alerted us to the fact of where his location is and where he is moving, because the ultimate intent of the creator is to rid the planet of all rebellion, and he's done that by by uh, addressing the the satan question if you will he's going to rid the planet of the earth and that uh, or he's going to rid uh, the planet of satan upon the earth that's what's coming and so when he was asking job can you set this dominion in the earth he's literally prophesying and telling him it's been recorded and their seasons have been recorded that's why he goes on to talk about like brother jeremy read can you read that just that first part again uh, of verse 32, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, Canst thou bring forth Mazarah in his season? In his season. So what he was literally asking Job and what he's also revealing, when he uses the word bring forth, what that word literally means in the Hebrew is to bring them out. The 12 constellations, can you bring them out with purpose for result? In other words, Mm. incredible precision is being uh, implied here that the constellations themselves, they move or we move through them precisely at the time that God is communicating a prophetic truth or event or a purpose that he's bringing to pass upon the earth. And so he says, "Can can you bring forth Mazarot, the pictures in the stars, the prophetic pictures in the stars? They're called the houses of heaven, right? And 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 the sun and the earth and the moon, uh, we move through all 12 of these constellations, the planets do, uh, once every year. That's how they were able to garner the times and the seasons upon the planets of the earth. Uh, but also, when it comes to the equinoxes uh, of the planet and the actual procession through the hall uh, and the rising of the sun, so to speak, it literally takes the sun, uh, by the time it's done, a, a 25,000 plus year period to complete the cycle, which is for another day and, and a little more deeper discussion. <laughs> but but he asked. No, it's, it's. Go ahead. 
it's it's interesting you said that the the stars are like a time clock for the Lord, and they've been designed um, to come out of you know for certain alignments to happen at a certain season, which release more prophetic information to us of what's yeah. coming upon the earth, and yeah. we are moving around that 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 time design of 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 the planets and the stars. That's exactly um, right. Which is so powerful, right? Which is That's a powerful right. thought, and this, and this, and this is what the Lord is trying to convey to um, to to Job. But so, so not only do the the the, the heavens, the 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 planets, mm-hmm. and the stars convey a prophetic event. That's that's amazing in itself, right? The the heavens are a billboard of God's prophetic, uh, eternal purpose and will on the planet. But now to 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 bring it about in the earth is a whole different story, right? Exactly. And, and that's yes. that is what he's intending to do, because that is where the enemy is at. That's really good. That's earth. exactly yeah. Right? That's exactly what the Lord is telling us, right? And so when he goes on to ask him, "Can you bring forth the Mazarot in his season?" Season. That's right. what he. That's what he's referencing. That there's a time. That's why Solomon said it, right? There's a time and a purpose to everything that's done under heaven, right? That's what he said in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's specific times and specific events that are being signaled. In many ways, what he was telling Job, that as you study this, Job, and you learn to know what is actually being said, what you will conclude with, my servant, is that you find yourself in a prophetic, in a particular time of prophecy but there's much more yet to be fulfilled that's basically what he's telling it and so he says i have the seasons of it you're in a particular season and he draws his attention we won't get into it today because we're actually going to be talking about the wise men and the star they saw but we're laying these foundations so that we can understand this is how our creator speaks to us this is what he's causing us to understand so that we can elevate the depth of, of our contemplation and meditation into the way that he wants us to, 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 to perceive and to understand what's actually taking place at any given time throughout human history. And this is why we were excitingly approaching Monday, which is December the 21st, 2020, with, with a great celestial event that's about to take place. We're going to talk about it, uh, but, we're, but we're headed there because we're, we're first going to see uh, what was seen and what was being said leading up to this moment of our time. God has all along in every generation and throughout the centuries been telling humanity exactly what's unfolding. Uh, if they had the skill and the understanding, which the ancients did uh, to, to, to begin to, to, uh, to, to realize what it is that's actually happening in connection with the grand overall design of, of, our, of our Lord and Savior. So he says, can you bring him forth in his time and his season? So in other words, what he was literally saying is that when a specific event or events are to take place, the Lord has created a prophetic clock in the heavens, and he controls its movements. He sets them in motion and did so, if you think about it, brothers, in the dateless past. Remember, what the Lord Mm -hmm. said concerning his return, Remember what he said? Jesus said this. He said, no man knows the day or the hour, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord said, uh, 
turn over there, Brother Jeremy, to Acts chapter 1. This is, he said something really fascinating there. He said, no man knows the day or the hour or the season, really. Uh, and, and he says something really incredible there. Turn over there, would you? Acts chapter 1. Yes. Could you read to us verse uh, 6 and 7? Praise you, Lord. When, when, they, <clears throat> when they, therefore, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. This is the power controlled by the Father. That's what he's saying. So they had just come out of one prophetic moment, right? The, the, the crucifixion of Christ, the Lamb of glory, he paid the price. He became the Lord of all, descending into the lowest parts of the earth, leading captivity captive, all that. He rose from the dead, and the church was about to be born on the day of Pentecost. One prophetic season was giving way to another prophetic season, something they didn't understand, but written in the heavens. And what he told them was that they were way ahead of the prophetic season, because what they were asking, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, yes, that's going to occur, but not until the second coming of the Lord. And that's why they asked this time. But what he said is so revealing, because what he's referencing is what he's talking to, uh, uh, to us about in Job, about the times, the seasons, the constellations, the prophetic time clock. And he reveals to us here that uh, no one knows, and it's not for you to know. It's in the Father's power. He has set the clock in motion, in other words, and it will be fulfilled according to his power, the way that he designed it. The Lord was referring when he, when he spoke of the times and seasons, really, to the great celestial prophetic time clock that we're talking about, the prophetic declarations engraved and cut into the very fabric of the universe, the visible arc in the heavens above the earth. So what the father told Job, if you remember, he said was uh, <laughs> was were the were the ordinances of heaven, uh, which which he alone uh, was was that concerning the ordinances of heaven was that he alone could set their dominion in the earth. And Jesus refers to them as times and seasons, which he said concerning the father, he has put in his own power. Now listen, if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, God talked about the signs, the, the sun, the moon, the stars being set in the heavens and let them be for signs in the heavens. And, and he said that, that they were also for what? For, for times and seasons. To divide the day from the night. And we don't want to get too far off here, but that is so profound. I encourage you to go there and study what he's actually saying there because it connects to what we're talking about. I want to talk to you about something uh, when when we recall the time of Satan's rebellion, because what he attempted and what the Bible is revealing to us here, what he attempted was to overthrow what he saw written in the heavens. Let's take a look at that in Isaiah 14. Turn over there, Brother Jeremy, would you real quick? Isaiah 14. Yes. We're making our way to the wise men. <laughs> Praise God. Isaiah 14, you there, brother? Yes. Now, again, what we're going to see here is something absolutely phenomenal. 
let's take a look at it. Read, read verse 12 and 13 to us, brother, would you? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Incredible what he's referring to here. Uh, he, He begins to address his own throne, my throne. And when you actually dig into this, what he's talking about and what's being referenced to here as Isaiah records it by the Spirit of the Lord, he's referencing that at one point, what the Bible is apparently revealing to us here is that Satan himself, Lucifer at the time, was a caretaker, one who had dominion upon the earth itself. And and really, it was as if he was keeping charge, if you will, of this planet for the one that was yet to come. The earth is the Lord's, remember, <laughs> and its fullness. Now listen. Uh, what he begins to say, and this is where his rebellion is, he says, I'm going to ascend into heaven. And and then he says, I'm going to exalt my position above what, Brother Jeremy? Uh, exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God. What he was literally saying uh was that he was going to take his position from what he saw in the stars of God. That's the Mazarot, because he references the heavens. That's where the stars and the constellations are. And he was literally saying, in many ways, I'm going to uh, rise above that, rise above the declared story that's been engraved in the universe. That's what made his sins so egregious. Also in that word stars, which really kind of brings a summation of what the story is about, is is if you actually look into the word itself, it also goes further into revealing uh, another form or a root word, which means uh, the builder, the one who builds. So the heavens themselves were constructed by Jesus. It is the Father who gave him the architectural plans and said, now go do this. It is the Holy Spirit who moved all three of them in perfect precision, bringing about creation. But we do know that Christ is the builder. The components of what he built also was this time clock, this this beautiful display in the heavens that was telling the story that, that seems and appears to be something that the devil at the time, Lucifer, rebelled against. He wasn't, what was being told there, in essence, just to fast forward the gospel, right, was that God was going to build a family. Lucifer Mm -hmm. was the highest created order of the sons of God. But they were never going to be permitted to enter a level above that. And what God appeared to be revealing by what he engraved in the heavens, though he didn't understand it all, he knew enough to say, wait a minute, it appears that something great is about to be born. It's going to be headed by the builder of God, the pre-incarnate Christ. I'm going to take my position above that 
and and Jesus, that's when Jesus says in the gospel, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. It wasn't permitted. He said, huh. I will listen to what else he says. I will also sit right upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And and we've talked about this before in in our previous podcast. What he was literally referring to there when it talks about the uh, the the sides of the north, he literally wanted to go into the very place of that is only reserved for God. It is God. It's the procreative place, the place where all things are conceived and born. It is it is the power that God has exclusively, for God has never been. Uh, <laughs> created, he's always been. Lucifer wanted to go and tap into that power. I'm going to sit there in the sides of the north where the procreative power is. It's almost as if he was saying, I will rewrite the story. I will take God's power and, and apply it to my own desire. I'm going to create a different story. And and if you want to go a little deeper, verse 14, what does he say there, Brother Jeremy? Yes, he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So he's proclaiming something and wanting to go above the heights of the clouds. In many ways, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, if you can receive it, he's referring to what would ultimately be the future church of the living God. Jesus is coming in the clouds of heaven, right? We're encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses. He's referencing to that beautiful family that was going to be created in the future. He wants to be above their heights. All of it is is indicating, like God would say in Ezekiel, till iniquity was found in you. You weren't you were the highest order. What, what what's your trip, right? Basically, what he's saying, you had everything. You weren't, you weren't content. So again, another piece is being directed to the Mazarot, to the to the engraved prophetic clock of God in the heavens, and and this galactic, if you want, this this incredible drama, and this conflict that's been ensuing ever since. This that the Lord reveals in His Word is incredible, but it's now being brought forth in our time to give us skill and understanding for our times. So let's return to Matthew chapter 2 and see where we're headed as we look at the Magi. Could you go back there, Brother Jeremy? Yes. I'll throw this in there, Brother Marty. Um, they do. I mean, the, yeah, the time clock that's in in uh, the Maserat, the stars, the, the, the constellations, um, how, how much or how aware is the devil of this? that there is a time clock that is declaring um, prophetic events and ultimately coming of Messiah to the planet, right? Um, we know that the book of Revelation says this, and, and, and I thought about it when you were speaking. It says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you. So he's cast out of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And it says he's having great wrath. Because he knows that he has a short time. That's right. Praise God. Right. So, so he is. How aware he is of it? Now, that's what he's trying to do as well. He's trying to change the times and the seasons. 
Yes. That's what he's trying to do. Yes. Right. And and really that's what he's done in 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 the in the diluting of what the ancients once knew, because as it came down through time in ancient history and then began to work its way out throughout the Gentile nations of the world, the truth of what God had done and tried to express, which he revealed to Job, morphed itself into what we call today mythology, right? You know, the the different naming, uh, the different uh, labels that each culture would put on what they saw in the sky. But God gave the, the truth of it to Job and he gave it to his his sages of old, something Daniel himself was very familiar with. Powerful reference there in Revelation, what you're talking about there, because if you go to the preceding chapter, right, Revelation chapter 12, it's all about the constellations in the heavens. He sees a woman clothed with the sun, having stars on her head, right? The moon is beneath her feet. And we see the dragon taking a third of heaven by his tail and casting them to the earth. That's the constellation that is known as Draco or Draco, the dragon in the sky, who 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 is the largest constellation in the heavens and indeed encompasses over a third of the known stars above the visible arc of the earth. And so when you say what you just quoted there, that when he's cast down and he knows that he has a short time, it's almost as if as we get closer to the end or with each succeeding defeat throughout the revelation of God and what is engraved in the heavens, he begins himself, because he doesn't know all things, he begins himself to perceive. He begins himself to understand and have a revelation, if you will, of his own time, right? That's what you were just sharing, which is really powerful. Right. So let's let's now let's look at this matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 could you read that again brother jeremy yes now when jesus was born in bethlehem of judah judea in the days of herod the king behold there came wise men from the east of jerusalem saying where is he that is born king of the jews for we have seen his star in the east and are and are come to worship him. Amen. There's a lot of information there. And, and so we're beginning to look at what they call the Christmas star. Now listen, who were these wise men? Uh, they are known as the Magi, right? Who they really were, like we started out this study, they were a priestly class of of astronomers. They were mathematicians and astronomers. They were also astrologers as they tried to give their interpretations of the stars, but primarily they were they were they were scientists who understood the constellations and mathematics, and, and they were they were one of six tribes uh, that made up the Medes. When you hear about the Medes and the Persians, they were of the Medes, and the Medes were made up of six different tribes. It made up the the, the nation of the Medes. It was comprised of six tribes. Now. If you remember the story, and if you could turn over there quickly, Brother Jeremy, to, to Daniel chapter 5, so we can read that scripture here in a second. These men, these magi, uh, they were rescued by Daniel. Daniel became the ruler, if you remember, over the kingdom uh, as, as Nebuchadnezzar set him and appointed by King Nebuchadnezzar over all the wise men, the, the, the magicians, the soothsayers, the sorcerers. Nebuchadnezzar had had a vision, a dream that he couldn't remember. It was Daniel himself who 
who revealed that dream as God gave it to him and showed him what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed and gave him the interpretation. As a result, all the all the uh, the counselors of the king, their lives were spared. He had intended to kill him because he was so frustrated that none of his wise men, his his magi, his his astrologer, none of them could explain what he had seen except Daniel. So at that point, he was appointed over them. Now, something interesting here uh, as a piece to our puzzle is in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11. Because remember what was going on in Daniel chapter 5. Babylon's last night had occurred. The finger and the handwriting of the wall on the wall by God declaring the destruction of Babylon was at hand. No one could understand it. But then the queen of Babylon comes out and tells uh, the king Belshazzar something about this Daniel. And there's a really neat nugget there that 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 uh, connects Daniel to these magi. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. You said Daniel 5.11. Yes. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say thy father, made master of the magicians, as astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. There we have a piece to the puzzle given here, connecting Daniel with what in, in the Old Testament they're called the the magicians. And and that that name came to be developed uh, or or you know came it morphed into magi. They're of the magician class. They're an esoteric bunch, right? What they what that literally means is they they took all the philosophies and all the different you know legends and so forth, all the sciences, all of that, and they would compile it together and they formed their own doctrine. They were the magicians. They they were also masters of of the occult but once daniel was set over them which is this this uh this phrase that she used she called him the master of them so he was the, also the others the astrologers chaldeans and soothsayers daniel becomes the master over the magi basically and 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 just a little side note here and brother uh, uh those of you who've been following us this is this is something i'm going to point out to you here in context of what we're talking about because we're following celestial events now that's what we're talking about today if you can understand spiritual things with spiritual things it, it is a it, it's a prophetically in from the beginning key really that we're seeing here as well in this particular fifth chapter and really a key to understanding our times listen it, it's a key, if you if you can hear it, that Daniel's appearance to give understanding of the handwriting on the wall, it occurred precisely at the time of the fall of Babylon. That's when he was brought out. And at the time, chapter 6 goes on to describe it as the fall of the lion, the eagle, and the man. Knowledge was given precisely at that time, and Daniel really representing an end-time uh, wise and skilled church, which is revealed in Daniel chapter 12, is brought out and knowledge given to him precisely at the time that Babylon's about to go off the scene as a great global power. I'll just leave that out there for those of you who can hear. I'm moving right along. <laughs> the Magi having uh, been... Uh, Brother Marty. Yes. Um, at 
as master of the magicians, Daniel um, influence, uh, right? Obviously, the the magi's, perhaps you know the examples they saw in Daniel, and maybe even him teaching them prophecy and these things Look, of, of the stars. It was legendary, really. You know, having been rescued by him uh, in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, really. Uh, they were led and taught by Daniel. That's what the rabbis tell us, too, yeah. Yeah. is that they yeah. were led by Daniel. They were taught by Daniel. He was the master of them. And yeah. they became the watchers uh, of, of the heavens, but no longer with a pagan perspective. See, they weren't looking at it from the perspective of the occult anymore. They had been rescued by Daniel and basically laid down all that garbage that they had once been following and understood there's only one God. And Daniel began to instruct these particular men, these magi, and they were guided by his prophecies. And not only his prophecies, because by that point, you know, the writings of the holy prophets by and large had been compiled uh, to that point, at least Isaiah and Jeremiah, right? And Hosea and, and so forth and so on. So the writings of the holy prophets and the completed Torah from from uh, Genesis to Deuteronomy also. So these scriptures uh, were were things that Daniel had instructed them in, and including the prophecies. And, <clears throat> and, and for almost five centuries, they studied the sky. When they recognized the signs in the heavens, they followed what they saw, remember, and they came to Jerusalem. Now, you, and that's what we're reading. Can you read that again, Brother Jeremy? In verse 1 and 2? Yes. Yes, in Matthew, right? Yes. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? That was born in the king of of the Jews. So in verse 1, we ask ourselves the question, why did they come to Jerusalem? I mean, they came to Jerusalem. And there's a reason why, because they had been studying the prophecies and had been taught by Daniel. They came first to Jerusalem because Daniel had written in his prophecies that Messiah was going to be in Jerusalem, the Messiah. And so that's why they came to Jerusalem first. And we're going to get into that in a second and see something unbelievably profound to me, but you know, to all of us, I think. But with that in mind, and, and the constellations, the Mazarot, all the things we've been talking about, uh, there's, there was a key that was given to them, uh, and it's concerning the prophecy that, that Jacob had given. And they understood it, because that's what they go on to tell Herod. They reference Jacob's prophecy when they say, we've seen his star in the east. But we'll get into that in a second. But let's go back to Genesis chapter 49 and look at something here, what Jacob said concerning Messiah, because that's who they're looking for, the king of the Jews. And and they identify uh, celestial events in the heaven as being triggers to them. The one, you know, the chosen one is here. The Messiah is here. And And this is how they knew. This is what began to alert them. As they went forward. Can you read that in Genesis 49, brother? Verse 1, to start with. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. 
in the last days. We have a prophecy that's about to be given here by Jacob that pertains specifically to the last days, and 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 it, and it's profound here. But what we know about this 49th chapter is that da- Jacob gathers all his sons around, the heads of the tribes of Israel, and each individual son he begins to prophesy over. When he gets to Judah, uh, he he tells him something incredible. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 8 through 10? Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Incredible. They came to Jerusalem and they came to Judea, right? I mean, that's that's Judah's territory. But they would have been incredibly familiar with what Jacob was saying here, precisely because their master down through the centuries and, and what they had been taught by Daniel went down through the centuries, that they, they carefully studied the heavens. Now, remember, Jacob here is referring to the old lion, right? In verse 9, he talks about the old lion. There's so much I could talk about here, but we just want to stick to what we're talking about today. So he says he couched as a lion and as an old lion. So he he's basically, remember what he said, I'm going to talk to you about stuff that's going to be occurring in the last days. Well, this is thousands of years before Jesus would show up. But he, he, they knew what he was talking about because the symbol of Judah was, was the old lion in the sky, the constellation of Leo. That's the lion in the sky. You've heard the term uh, that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? That's where we get that phrase from. Well, his symbol was the lion in the heavens. And so he, he, he directs their attention, and then he prophesies of the coming of, of the Lord Jesus when he says, who came from Judah, right? <laughs> he says, the scepter, verse 10, shall not depart from Judah. Scepter represents king or ruler. The rulership will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver. And here's the key. He says, from beneath his feet until Shiloh comes. Brother Jeremy, what does Shiloh mean? Can you look that up real quick? Yes, Genesis to 49. It says, um, Shiloh means tranquil and effected of the Messiah. The Messiah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's speaking of the Prince of Peace, but he's referred to as Shiloh, right? Jacob used a particular word that identified the Messiah as coming from Judah. So what he says here, as he's referencing the constellation of Leo in the heaven, he uses this interesting phrase where he speaks of both rulership, the scepter, and 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 the the lawgiver, the one who implements the law of God, uh, and he he connects it to uh, between the feet of, of of Leo 
in, in the heavens, basically. Now, why this is important is because when you look at the constellation of Leo in the, uh, in the heavens, you'll see that, uh, that between the feet of, of, of the lion in the sky is a particular star. That star is called Regulus. It's where we get our word regal from or royalty. It's the king star. And so the Magi knew from these writings and from what Daniel had taught them that a king would be born in Judah and that he would be the Messiah. And so he said to them, basically, pay attention when you're studying the constellations throughout the centuries, because when you see a particular thing occur in the house of Leo, you will know that the Messiah is about to be or has been born. And so that is what they were looking for. And so what they precisely saw, could you go back there again, Brother, Brother Jeremy, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 2? Yes. Yes. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Yes. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So they identified something when they were when they came to Jerusalem, we know they came to Jerusalem. You can read it on your own unless you want to look at it now. It's, it's in Daniel chapter 9. Turn over to Daniel chapter 9. Because this is how they knew where to go. Uh, this is how they knew where to go to Jerusalem because Daniel, who was their master, right? And, and so profound and powerful was Daniel. Think of this. That for five centuries, brothers, 500 years, they held together as a close-knit a band of, of, of Gentile priests, the Magi. They were a priestly class that carried with them the anointing of their mentor, Daniel. They never broke apart. And they became infamous throughout the ancient world as being kingmakers. Whenever a king was born, they would show up and validate his rule. This is why it's so important that he came, uh, they came to the Lord Jesus because they represented the, the acknowledgement of, of the Gentile nations and, and really a foreshadow of, of, of the church itself, a kingdom of, of kings and priests, right? So when they came to Jerusalem, this is why, because they read Daniel's prophecies and he had explained to him, to them what, what it was and how to calculate. Remember, they were also mathematicians. Read to us verse nine, I mean, chapter nine, verse 24 and 25 of Daniel's prophecies. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophesy and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, 
and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. So from this prophecy of Daniel down through the centuries, they had been counting the days, mathematically speaking. So they were both using mathematical computations. Daniel drew their attention to what the angel had revealed to him in verse 25, and he, and, and he taught the Magi this. He said, look, the same thing that was taught to him. Remember, they were in captivity, right? And so he said this, the angel told Daniel, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, it's going to be Basically, if you do the math, it's like 470 years, 469 years, something like that, uh, from that time. So from that point on, when when uh, when Darius decreed that they could go and, and rebuild the city, and they were let out of captivity and went to go build the city, uh, the Magi knew Daniel's prophecy, and they actually began to mathematically calculate the approximate time from these specific instructions here when the Messiah would come. They knew from that point it was going to be four, maybe five centuries in the future. And they guarded this information uh, meticulously and handed it down from father to son to father to son down through five centuries. So as they approached the nearing of the time of the Messiah, they began to look into, he into the heavens. They were very familiar with the prophecy of, of Jacob, which had told them that Something was going to happen to the star beneath, uh, between the feet of Leo's constellation in the heavens, the regular star, and that they needed to pay attention to that. At the same time, they were approaching the mathematical con uh, calculations, nearing the time that Daniel had predicted that Messiah would be in Jerusalem. That's why they came to Messiah. That's why they came to Jerusalem when they came, because they knew where he was supposed to be. They weren't, they didn't have, like, they didn't know exactly, but they knew he's got to be in Jerusalem because that's what Daniel told us. So they knew by two factors. One was the mathematical ca calculation that, that, as identified in Daniel's prophecy, and two, by the signs in the heavens that Jacob in his prophecy had told them, which Daniel obviously would have taught them, uh, because that's what they go on to say in verse two. They actually identified the constellation of Leo and the star, Regulus. Listen. They said, we have seen his star. Can you read that in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2, Brother Jeremy? Again, verse 2. Yes. yes. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So these are further clues as to what they were seeing. Notice what they identified. They said his star. We've seen his star in the east. This is very, very important to understand for us as we're searching how they followed him, why they came to Jerusalem. We just shared Daniel's prophecy. They knew by mathematical computations over an almost five-century period, we've got to be there. We're only, we're only a few years away from this. He's got to be here. And then they began to notice in the heavens something was happening. And they, they testified to it in verse 2. They said, we've seen his star in the east. His star is that that uh, star between the feet, right, that Jacob was talking about. That's Regulus. You can do your own study and find out I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> it's Regulus. 
It's the king's star. It's the star of Shiloh, the star of the Messiah. But but when when you actually go on and look at uh, at what he means by we or what they meant when they said we have seen his star in the east, well, Jeremy, look that up because what they were actually saying was, and this is another clue to what they were seeing, is that we have seen his star at the rising of the sun. That's what they were actually saying. Can you uh, can you read that, Jeremy? What 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 the east means? Oh, yes. East means um, a rising of light, dawn, uh, figuratively by implication, the east, day spring, east, uh, a rising of the sun. There you go. The direction of the sun's rising. Yes. Now, this is a clue to us for those of us who care to be students enough to search this out. What they were actually saying was we've seen Regulus as the sun is rising. In the east, basically, right? That's why they interpreted it the east, because the sun rises in the east. But they were literally saying, we saw his star there. And so when you actually go and research what they actually saw, was just before the sun's coming up, at the dawn, when in the, in the dawning, right, between, between the dark that's giving way to the light, uh, you can still see the stars. That's what they're paying attention to. And so they identified that they had seen Regulus as the sun is rising early in the morning over a particular length of time. Now, as we've taught before, that, that, like we, we were just speaking earlier too, that, that the constellations in heaven as God described them are exactly what he said they are. They are, they are clocks. They are particular houses. They tell times and seasons, and they do. They're consistent. They're fixed, and we move through them. And so we could be at an at any time. We could be in a particular house of the zodiac, if you will, of the Mazarot. That's what they're describing. At this particular time period that they mention, it's approximately around three B.C. That's about the time that Jesus was was actually born. At the latter part of four B.C., heading into uh, somewhere in the middle of three B.C. What they actually saw in their territory over in the east there at the rising of the sun, they they had seen the constellation of Leo, and they saw Regulus. That's what they're telling us. And 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 what's interesting is is because it's so consistent, you can go get yourself an algorithm or or software that that studies the constellations, and 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 you can actually input any date, any time. Uh, in that algorithm, and, and because the constellations are fixed clocks, if you will, you can go to any place on the face of the earth and type in any date all the way back to 30,000 years ago, and, and it, will, it will bring up the constellation over whatever geographic territory you input. Now, when you do that and you actually search it out, what you'll find out is that what the Magi saw was the rising of the house of Leo, which alerted them because Leo was the constellation for the tribe of Judah. And, and Regulus appeared brightly in the sky. But something else came across the sky at the same exact time. Over a, a series of months, it began to make its way as it was proceeding through the constellations of the heaven. And it came precisely at that time, which alerted them that a king was about to be born. What we saw moving through the heavens at that time, coming to rest right in front of Regulus, was the planet 
Jupiter. Now, why this is significant is because to the ancients, Jupiter, and even now, you know, in, in the corrupted knowledge, Jupiter being the largest planet in the solar system uh, represents the king or the king planet. So what they literally saw was that the king planet of Jupiter was moving into Leo, the sign of Judah, and came to rest right where Regulus was. And it created such a brilliant display in the sky that they knew that the king planet had come to rest over the king star, his star, Shiloh's star. And it triggered them five centuries later. It triggered them somewhere around 4 to 3 BC, and they understood this is it. This is what our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and all down to up to the time of Daniel have been telling us this is the event. And then they went to their mathematical calculations from the prophecy we were just talking about, and they understood the Messiah is here. And Daniel's prophecy told us he would be in Jerusalem. Well, they didn't know how old he was. They just, they just, that's why they came looking for him in Jerusalem. There was still something else more profound to take play. What they actually saw, brothers, was Jupiter moving into the house of the constellation of Leo over the, the, the symbol of Judah. And it came to the exact position between the feet of Leo, which is Regulus, somewhere around September of 3 BC. Regulus and Jupiter had a great conjunction in the sky. And the brilliant display of it announced to the whole world, though the whole world was asleep. That's, what, that's one thing that we can learn from this story is they show up into Jerusalem. The whole city's shaking because these are the kingmakers. These are the priests of the Medes. These are the Magi. These are the legendary ones that were saved by Daniel. When they came into Jerusalem, it shook the city, and they had no idea what was going on. The Pharisees didn't know. The Sadducees didn't know. Herod didn't know. But they did. And what this teaches us, because it's a foreshadow of the end times, is the same kind of celestial events will be occurring, but only the wise will understand. Oh, somebody help me out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's what they Praise saw. The Hallelujah. And they said, where is he? <laughs> we know he's coming. We know he's here. We, he's got to be here. We've been waiting five centuries for this event. The, what we call the Christmas star. And and so uh, they said, we're come to worship him. Hallelujah. The king is here. And and uh, it says in verse 3, Herod, when Herod the king had heard these things. What does it say, Brother Jeremy? Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. In all Jerusalem with him. Incredible. So the entire city was shaken. You're talking about the royal house of the Hasmonean dynasty here. You've got the Romans in town. You've got all the scribes, the Pharisees, the elite ruling religious classes in Jerusalem. It's where the temple is. None of them knew. None of them could see. None of them were paying attention, much like it is today. They're asleep. But there are those that God is reaching, those that God is revealing things to all over the world. There's a sense and anticipation. Yes, we're entering in troubled waters. Yes, the whole world is reeling to and fro. But God has his children that he's waking up. And he's saying, pay attention. What we're going to talk about uh, concerning the, the great conjunction that's about to take place on Monday is a further 
indication. The reason I've taken all this time to lay these foundations is so that when we when we hit you with this information, you're going to say, well, it's not without biblical precedent. I mean, they've been sharing scriptures for, you know, nine months now. So, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, you can take it and believe it if you want to, but we're going to give you what we believe that the heavens are saying. But listen, so after they saw Regulus and Jupiter over there in the Babylonian territory, which is where they were in Iran and Iraq, in that particular territory, Armenia, some say up in there, they came and set off to come to Jerusalem. These were the kingmakers, and they showed up in all their regalia. It wasn't just three guys. You're probably looking anywhere from between 800 to 1,500 men. That's how they traveled, you know, and, and they brought servants with them. They brought armed guards with them. They came like a force, and when they came, they were beautiful to behold, dressed in white garments and, and highly attended to, highly respected throughout the ancient world. So when they showed up, is it any wonder that Herod and all Jerusalem was troubled? See, when Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? What we have here is a picture of a backslidden church that has no clue of what's going on. That's what they are a type of, because they didn't know what was up. But these, these Gentiles did. They were followers of, of the prophecy. And so they set off to look for the king in Jerusalem. And that's why. Now, Brother Jeremy, let's conclude with this. I want you to read chapter 2, uh, verse 7 through 11, and we're going to see something really interesting. Then Herod, when he had pri privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, Bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's so incredible what happens here. Number one in verse seven, this is why now Herod, after consulting with his scribes, right, <laughs> you know, in verse four, they, they gather and he says, search the prophetic scriptures, you know. It's a lot like what we see happening today, really. You know, we got all these false prophets running around trying to give words and trying to say this and that, but they don't know the scriptures. And, and then there's people that have been caught with, you know, <laughs> caught, you know, unaware, and now they're just going, you know, <laughs> they're going, you know, with with anxiousness through the through the scriptures, trying to see, are we living in the last days? Are we? But they never have been paying attention, and so the days have come upon them, and they have no light. But you see. God it always has his remnant. He always has his people. This is the grace of God, that he has a people that he's kept all over the world. And, and he's beginning to speak to those that are seeking him. Remember Noah, right? <laughs> you got to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that, are, that diligently seek him. And then it says Noah by faith, but being warned of God, 
was moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world. He always has his people. And in this case, he brought the Gentile church to the Jews as a witness against them. In, the, in, in many ways, a, a church of Jew and Gentile, a mysterious church that God knows exactly where, where they are. <clears throat> He's speaking to them. And, and, and it's really the antithesis of, of, of the public religious establishment and the compromised church that we see today that has no answers, no clue. And they're floundering through the times, desperately beginning to have a sense overcome them, like Herod and, and the scribes and the chief priests. They too are troubled because they don't have answers and they know something's coming. So what we see here is Herod asks, what time the star appeared. Again, we've been talking about that. He wanted to know precisely the time frame, the, the, the calendar. And it is the reason that he sent the soldiers to kill all the children two years old and under. Those are clues that are given to us in the scripture. This podcast is not the format. If I had a chalkboard and slides and all the things I could show you, it, it would just it would be more visual for you, but these are these are identifying date markers. It's why he killed all the children two years old and under. And when you comprise all the things, the historical studies, the star charts, the constellations that we're talking about, the mathematical calculations, we come to the particular time that they originally saw the star was around three BC, the end of four BC, going into three BC. Herod died in one BC. So what we know is that when the star appeared, it was particularly around the time of, of the spring equinox. And we ain't got time to get into all this, but that puts the actual birth of Jesus somewhere around March of 3 BC or so, or, 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 or in that time frame, 4 to 3 BC. Now, these are speculations uh, because we don't know the definitive date. But we can know the seasons based on what we're able to deduce by the information given to us here. So it's around that time. And why it's important that it occurs at the spring equinox is because that's around the time of March. And and if that's the case, then what that is alerting us to is that while they're seeing this king star and this king planet come together in the house of Leo and Jesus is being born, and they begin to prepare themselves to set out and go look for the Messiah, if Jesus was born in March, what that tells us is is and, and gives us more information as to why when we read in the Gospels, we see the angels coming to, to shepherds in the field. The shepherds are in the field precisely because the lambs um, are kept in the field, but not in the wintertime because it's too cold. They're tending their flocks in the field, uh, particularly in Bethlehem because that's where they used to keep the sheep that were used for Passover lambs. It's about two miles from the temple. That's where they would tend them on the hills. So when the angels appeared to the shepherds in the hills of Judea, it's precisely in the spring. So what would have been being seen overhead, though none of them recognized it, though these precious magi, the, the, the students of Daniel through the centuries understood about 800 miles away was a king was being born. And so when the angels came, they came to the to the to the uh, to the shepherds in the field, and announced to them that unto you this day in the city of David has been born a great king. So all that was taking place, and nobody recognized it except for the shepherds and so forth. And Simeon and Anna, as you go into the Gospel of Luke, 
they they understood after the baby was born. But listen, so Herod asked particularly where, I mean, when, in order to calculate where the Messiah was so he could kill him. It's really a foreshadow of the Antichrist, right, who will seek to kill Christ and his church at the end, the rebellion of the devil. But that's for another day. But let's look at this, and we'll close with this. Listen. So they go to Bethlehem in verse 8, and they begin to search for the child. And it's interesting because it says in verse 9, when they heard uh, when they heard the king, they departed. And it says in verse 9, the star which they saw in the east. Again, <laughs> this is a reference to to uh, the, the the king planet or Jupiter, and we know this by by our studies. Uh, and and we also know this that they're referencing the king planet as opposed to Regulus because of what we were just talking about. You're able to to tell the time frame. And and by doing that, and again, I encourage you, if you want to get into these deep kinds of studies, go get yourself a uh, a copy of, of uh, it's called Sky Maps or Star Chart or whatever. And you can just put it in your, your computer and, and type in the date, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about here. It is the clock of God. Now listen, and it's being, and the dominion is being set in the earth. I mean, this is what he's talking about. So listen. So they give us clues here, and the star that they're talking about at the rising of the sun, that's what it means. They saw his star in the east when they went to look for him. Now remember, this is about a year and a half already after Jesus has been born. They come at the rising of the sun, and they see Jupiter. And and it it's, it, it, it's over uh, the territory where they're headed, and it comes, it says, the way the Bible describes it, to stand over where the young child is. Listen to this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. This is incredible because as we do our studies, what you'll find is this occurred in the winter solstice. This is why they call it the Christmas star. But they're actually off by about two years because the actual Christmas star was Jupiter uh, conjoining with Regulus in, in between the feet of Leo the lion. That's the actual Christmas star. But in many ways, this is another version of the Christmas star. It's Jupiter moving into the house of, of Virgo because that's what was over that particular uh, time of, of the planetary bodies moving in the heavens in 2 BC. It's actually the constellation of Virgo, and this is incredible. This is why they rejoice. Listen, it occurred, and this is what scholars and, 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 and archaeo astronomers they call them uh, tell us that the winter solstice occurred on december the 25th christmas day what we call christmas day 2 bc so they they, they think that's the that's why we uh you know when we went into the third century after the church was born so forth and so on that constantine took that ceremony and applied it to the things that he had learned and they they proclaimed december 25th as the day that Jesus was born. And that's how the tradition came to be that he was born in the wintertime. But that's not the testimony of the wise men. They said the star actually appeared, and, and, and linking scripture with scripture, at the time it appeared, it puts his birth actually in March of around 3 BC, the end of 4, beginning of 3 BC. So that's how we know the actual Christmas star is the conjunction of Jupiter with Regulus. But what they saw here is no less insignificant. 
And when they came to his house, it's more likely, uh, it's more than likely it occurred on December the 25th, 2 BC, they say, in the winter solstice. What they saw was that Jupiter, the king planet, had moved into the constellation of Virgo. And at the same time, brother, <laughs> the star in the east that was rising, uh, remember what, uh, what Peter likens Jesus to? Let's look over there real quick, Brother Jeremy. In First Peter, can you turn over there? Yes. You guys are awful quiet. Anything to say? <laughs> Brother Steve, got anything to say? No, I'm, I'm just listening and just following along. And, uh, All right. It's a, it's a beautiful study. And uh, so... No, I'm just I'm just uh taking it in, that's all. <laughs> all right, praise God. All right. Just hoping we haven't put you to sleep yet. No, no, uh uh-uh. uh. No, no. <laughs> no brother brother Yeah. Brother Marty, the the um uh the procession from the Magi getting all the way to Jerusalem, how long was that? Well, some people frame. say, yeah, some people say it took uh, anywhere from a year to a year and a half to get there. You right. know, and, okay. And it wasn't necessarily that they took that long to get there. It's just you're you're, you're again, you got to understand, you're talking about anywhere from 800 to 1500 people, and then you're yeah. talking about yeah. you know gathering the provisions for an 800 mile journey across the desert on foot, right, with all those people. Right. To, you know, on foot, you got to factor in the amount of time it took them to, you know, set up camp to, you know, and and understand this, they're still looking in the heavens the whole way, you know, which is amazing. Wow. Uh, but wow. it alerted them. It alerted them that that uh, when it alerted them, they began to prepare. And who knows, you know, I mean, just put some flesh and blood on it, right? You got about 800 to 1500 people. You got to spread the word. You got to, you know, compare right. your compare your mathematical computations and what you're seeing in the heaven. I mean, so you can, you know, say a few months went by and by that time they've made provision and the, and then they're convinced because they got to, you know, they got to yeah. agree. Let's go. You know, they didn't just go. These were kingmakers. Right. These were the ones who established rules. So, you know, give them a few months before they actually packed up and left and then another few months. So, they're, they're they're saying anywhere from a year to a year and a half. And that's why these dates are approximate, but very close. And then when you yeah. compare them with what was actually taking place in what's engraved in the heavens and what we know mathematically are the movements of the planetary bodies at any given time in human history, you're able to pinpoint it. This is where we come to. And it's unbelievable what we see. So, uh, yeah, you remember that? Where is that scripture where it talks about... Uh, that you know you should take heed as i think it's it's uh until the day star arises in your heart do you remember that scripture i'm talking about it's in can you look that up for me it's in it's in, it's in, it's in peter. peter yeah it's in peter second second peter 119 119 yeah. Nineteen. Yeah. So, so read that to us, brother. Yes. Yeah. Second Peter one nineteen. I'll read it. We have we... also a more sure word of prophecy. Yes. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Mm. Uh, 
Apostle Peter is referencing the rising of, 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 of the planet Venus. It's known as the day star, right? And he's, he's attributing that to prophecy. And he's attributing uh, it also using the same language as to what uh, were the significant celestial events that triggered the knowledge of the Lord's first coming and subsequently his second coming. And that's why he says, take heed to the prophecy. It's going to be as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn. That's the east, right? And Anatoly, we have seen his star in the east. And then he mentions here uh, the day star. That, brothers and sisters, if we go back to Matthew now as we get ready to close here, listen, let's repeat this again. Because in, 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 uh, in verse 9, they see the star and they see uh, something happened. They see the king planet, and now they see the rising in the east in the house of Virgo, because this is a year and a half later now, and they're moving to the constellation of Virgo at this time, which is a picture of the Virgin, right? The Virgin Mary. That's what it tells the story of, a virgin in the sky. She's the same constellation that appears that Brother Fernando mentioned early on in the study in, in Revelation 12, the woman who's clothed uh, with the sun, the 12 stars over her head and the moon is beneath her feet, Revelation 12. That's Virgo. That's the constellation of Virgo that John's referencing. That's what was over Israel and what the really the, the whole uh, solar system was moving through the constellation of Virgo at the time. And they saw Jupiter in verse 9. And then at the rising of the sun, the day star came out, <laughs> which represents the Lord as well. Now, listen. So, and, and, it, and it comes and identifies where the child is, which is Bethlehem. That's where they came. That's why they were so happy. Because something else was being told them. Understand this. The day star is, is the planet Venus. Now, if you go and study, and, and I know this is not the forum I should be you know, trying to paint these pictures, but I hope you get a, at least a general understanding of what we're saying. What you'll find that they saw was that Jupiter, the king star, as they went to search for Messiah, leaving Herod, Early in the morning, as the sun was coming up, they saw G Venus rising and Jupiter as well coming together, just like Jupiter and and uh, and uh, and Regulus had come together a couple years before. Now they see the king planet conjoining with Venus, and Venus is the day star. They know that that represents Jesus as well. They don't know his name yet, but they know it represents Shiloh at least. He is he is uh, he is the day star. He's the day star from on high. He's the day spring. And so when they saw these two, they saw them moving into Virgo. But remember what I told you at the beginning of the study. Each constellation, pictures in the heavens, have three additional constellations attached to them. They're called the minor constellations. They're called decans. They have pictures too. Now, you can do this easily on your own if you want to take the time to study this, but you'll see that the three constellations that also attach themselves to the house of Virgo, the virgin in the sky, are three pictures that portray characteristics of her as God wrote them in the stars. One of them is called coma. And if you study coma, what you'll see is the picture that the ancients drew of coma, which is part of Virgo the virgin, is a picture of a mother and a little child sitting on her lap. Have you ever seen that? You know, that's why the Catholics take, uh, you know, in their traditions, 
whenever they show you a picture, they show you a picture of 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 of, of Mary, and then they show you Jesus sitting on her lap, right? You always see that picture. That's always how they, I don't know why they always do that, but that's what they do. And, but really what they're showing you is an ancient picture of the ancient star charts, which was, which was the minor constellation attached to the Virgin in the sky, a picture of a mother holding a child. Now, this is what they saw in the heavens. Coma attached to Virgo in the sky, the Virgin, the king planet and, and the day star, the day spring on, from on high moving into that third uh, decan that 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 picture of coma. When they saw that, they knew that God was saying, uh, "You have just come into the territory of where the child is. He's born. He's a child. The king planet moves into that constellation, and and he's the day star, Venus. That's what Peter was referencing. That's what they saw. It created this brilliant light, and that's why they were overjoyed, and that's why they had ex- exceeding great joy and were rejoicing." Now listen, uh, <laughs> read to us verse eleven, brother Jeremy, because this blew me away when I when I was when I saw this <laughs> when the Lord showed me this. Verse and 11. when they when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh incredible so listen what they saw and and how the holy spirit writes this here i don't know if you can see this but this is incredible they come into the house they see a young child and they see his mother holding him they saw the exact same thing on the ground that they had just seen in the heavens. They came into the house of the virgin and they saw the young child. That is exactly what they had just seen in the heavens. The king planet conjoined with the day star rising in the morning in the very house where the mother and child are in the heavens. And that's why the Holy Spirit wrote it this way. They came into the house, the celestial house on the earth. And there was the young child with the virgin in the sky, right? Only she's she's on the ground now. <laughs> He's here. God set the ordinance and set the dominion of it in the earth. Don't tell me the Lord's not in control, man. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, some of you out there will get it at three in the morning, and you'll sh- you'll sit up and say hallelujah. All right, so listen. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it made me think. It's kind of like you know what Jesus said. You know, let your will be done as it is in heaven. Let it be done on earth uh, as it's seen in heaven. <laughs> let it be seen on earth. You know, that's what I'm yes. thinking about right now. It's powerful. Amen. So <laughs> there we have it. Another part of what God engraved in the heaven being established in the earth. God doing this by the power of the Father, this came to pass. It's an amazing thing. This is the true story and the true celestial events of the Christmas star. So let's close with this. And I was going to do it today, but I just felt constrained of the Holy Spirit that we had so much to cover today. There's just no way I could do this. And it makes sense to me now, but 
coming Monday, this Monday, December the 21st, there is going to be another celestial event. We've taken a better part of six hours through this week to, to lay this foundation so that when we share what we're going to share, you won't say we're out in left field. We have sound biblical evidence and basis for why we're paying attention to these celestial events now. Monday, another celestial event is going to take place. It's called the Great Conjunction of 2020. It, too, ironically, falls on the winter solstice, December 21st. I'm going to give you a little hint. Some of you were expecting me to tell you what it was going to mean today. <laughs> I'm going to tell you on the exact day it's going to happen. So, well, we'll get that. And we'll get that uh, podcast out early on Monday so you can hear it. And then around 4 o'clock here on the West Coast and and, uh, and about uh, 7, 6 o'clock on the East Coast, you can walk out and, and see the most brilliant display of what's being said in the heavens. It'll be the first time it's been seen uh, in this way uh, since the year uh, uh, 1223, actually almost 800 years ago. So it's the great conjunction of 2020. It's the winter solstice of, of December 21st. And and I'll, I'll just give you a hint. The king star, Jupiter, uh, will have another great conjunction in our time at the close of 2020, like, as if 2020 hasn't given us enough, right? So it's like <laughs> the king star is going to be in the heavens, but it's not going to be with Regulus. See, they're writing in the papers and on the line and all that. It's the Christmas star. It's not. I just showed you. It's not. And the Lord showed us in the Word. It's not. Go ahead. No, you're right. It's it's uh it's Saturn. It's Saturn. It's 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 Jupiter and Saturn are going to come together in an incredible display in the in the night sky. Uh, NASA was saying that even if it's cloudy, the the, the light's going to be so bright that it'll pierce the clouds. So this is something, but I'm going to get deeply into why, uh, uh, what it is and what it means. Remember, the king planet um, is conjoining with Saturn. Saturn, brothers and sisters, is not the sign of the Lord. Regulus is. Venus is. He's the day star. He's the king star between the feet of Leo. But Saturn, the ancient history tells us, is the planet of the devil himself. And the reason they used to say that, they used to attribute it in the Greek mythology to Kronos, right? The, uh, or Saturnius. Uh, and, and they used to celebrate a festival uh, around this time on the winter solstice every year in honor of Kronos, the god of the underworld. 2020 is closing out with a display in the heavens of, of the king planet conjoining with the planet that represents the devil. And Monday, uh, join us. And, and, in, and in true, truly in humility, we're going to reveal to you what we believe the Holy Spirit is saying, what we're about to see as 2020 closes out. Those of you who are paying attention to those the angel Gabriel called the end time wise who understand we say, even so, return quickly, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. The heavens are telling us his return, his kingdom, the kingdom of Almighty God is at hand. And what we're about to see on Monday and what we will explain to you is is what is actually being said as we close out 2020. 
and and those of you who are discerning you you you're already sensing oh my god is that what we're being told we'll see enjoy your weekend we love you with all our hearts and as the bible says at the conclusion of the book of revelation the spirit and the bride say return quickly lord jesus is our prayer even so come quickly lord is our prayer in jesus name we love you god bless you Amen and amen. Brother Jeremy? Amen. We we pray that you have been blessed on this beautiful, beautiful journey that we've been with the stars connecting the Old Testament, the New Testament, and how these Magi's preserved the prophecies uh, that were given uh, and taught to them by Daniel. As we look forward to going to the weekend, as Brother Marty says, we pray that you join us back on Monday as we go a little bit deeper in our studies. Meanwhile, we pray the Lord bless you. Uh, keep yourself and your families together. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.